0: Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. Islam pushed on its agenda this week in the United Nations. I'll take a look at the impact of hate speech. There has been news from the Jordan Valley. Also, the U.S. has fired another volley into cyberspace toward Iran after Trump cut short that retaliatory attack last week. But first... President Trump's peace plan was unveiled this week in a few places Bahrain, Jerusalem, and the Jordan Valley. The push for peace news comes right out of scripture with its origins having occurred about three millennia ago. You have probably already heard the news about the Trump peace plans revealing this past week. The Trump administration's plan which was unveiled by Kushner last Saturday offers $50 billion worth of investments in Palestine and neighboring Jordan, Egypt, and Lebanon. It claims to create a million jobs in the West Bank and Gaza, which is supposed to double the Palestinian GDP in just a decade. However, The political part of the plan will only be presented when and if an economic settlement between the Israelis and the Palestinians is reached. The Saudis shared very good reviews of the plan saying it is a clear path leading to complete Palestinian independence. An anonymous Saudi official explained that although he speaks on his own behalf he also claims that many other officials in the Saudi uh, government agree with his sentiments. He explained that the Saudis and the Crown Prince have an interest in assisting the Palestinian leadership and see to it as a responsibility and that they are trying to press the PA leadership to seriously examine the political and economic plan. He went on to explain that both his and other countries are ready to invest massive sums of money on a scale the Palestinians would never even dreamed of receiving. He added that if they will transition to true independence, decent education, employment, and a robust economy that isn't dependent on handouts, this is where it may be hard for them to grow out of their self-perpetuating image of the eternal victim he said they don't believe they can manage without it he continued here's some background and I want you to stay with me while I explain this peace process the biblical characters have different names than the modern ones but they are still the same people the two main characters today are the modern UN created political state of Israel not to be confused with biblical Israel and the United States. Scripture calls them the House of Judah and the House of Israel where is the House of Israel today? Well it is scattered all over the earth with its Babylonian captors headquarters being the United States Some of the house of Israel is inside the modern state of Israel in the West Bank. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as we go through today's report so you will want to stick with this to the end. Where the US wants to take Yahweh's land is back to its former condition of the two states existing inside the boundaries. 2900 years ago, the kingdom split into two parts. The land was divided then and the U.S. wants to divide it again. The modern state of Israel has its own ideas of what the two states should look like. In Netanyahu's vision, the ancient southern house of Judah will own parts of Israel that never belonged to them scripturally or historically, while shrinking the amount of land owned by the house of Israel's descendants, some of whom are in the West Bank. In 1 Kings we read that it was Yahweh who divided the land. 1 Kings 11:31, And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you ten tribes." in 1 Kings 11.35 but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it to you ten tribes Yahweh as the rightful property owner has the right to divide and to restore his land as he sees fit it is his sole right to do that We can debate the reasons he divided the land some other time because there's not enough time in this broadcast. However, Yahweh tells us throughout the prophets that he intends a full restoration of his land, not a return to the original division. Why? Because that original division still exists today and I will have more on this later as well. Yahweh wants his people looking for ways to restore relationship so that he can restore their property, liberty and tribal land inheritance The original division in the land 2,900 years ago caused wars between the two houses The house of Israel was particularly virulent against the house of Judah but they both had their moments. The house of Israel made an alliance against the house of Judah with the Assyrians who Yahweh used to cart the northern tribes away for their idolatry and about unrebellion today the two houses Israel and Judah headed by Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu continue to defy Yahweh's plan of reunification and restoration they are devising their own plan whether it be to deport all the Palestinians to Jordan and Egypt as was floated a couple of months ago or to attempt to formalize the two existing states from 2900 years ago within the same borders created by the UN in 1948 the House of Israel is partly today's Palestinians I'll have more on that in a bit the irony is that Yahweh says he will have in derision he will laugh at those who bring forward their own plans his derision is resulting in a split even in today's scattered house of Israel because we have forgotten who we are so much that we don't even recognize that the descendants of the house of Israel in the West Bank are the same people as us so now that you understand some of what is happening in modern times is the same situation that existed in ancient times 2900 years ago Let's look at the idea of peace in modern Israel and this peace plan that was put forward by the Trump administration this week. First all the peace deals presented in the past along with this one sound too lovely to be true the Bible says it is too good to be true and that when they say peace and safety sudden destruction will come 1 Thessalonians 5 3 so right away there's a problem in that there will be no peace and no security second Trump's plan has not yet determined how U.S. and Israel plan to keep the Palestinian Authority from pocketing that $50 billion as they have done in the past, lining the pockets of their corrupt politicians, or how they will stop the PA from using that money to pay the families of Palestinian terrorists. Third, the issue that Trump and his evangelical base fail to understand is that dividing Yahweh's land is a big no-no. And no matter how Trump seeks to work out this problem, he will find that dividing Yahweh's land comes with a heavy price. That will be true whether the Palestinians get their own divided territory within Israel's borders, or if they are deported as was speculated a couple of months ago and of course to send the mostly Hebrew house of Israel descendants out of Yahweh's land would be the same as dividing the land in Yahweh's eyes one more thing Have you ever considered that possibly part of the reason that the Jews were sent into Babylon after the Assyrian captivity of the northern house of Israel was because Yahweh did not want the house of Judah to gain control of that territory? Aside from Judah's own rebellion, is it possible that the southern tribes would have made a land grab and that the way Yahweh stopped it was by continually sending their enemies from Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome? and that when it was clear the Jews had made their final rejection of Yeshua after his resurrection they finally had to be totally dispersed until 1948 to stop them from grabbing the northern house of Israel's land because Yahweh intended to restore it back to the house of Israel I think that is very possible why because in 1st Kings 12:21, when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem the Bible says he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin 180,000 chosen warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam the son of Solomon in other words he wanted to go up there and bring back the house of Israel under his reign but the word of God came to Shemaiah the man of God say to Rehoboam the son of Solomon king of Judah and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin and to the rest of the people and that's interesting wording there because the house of Judah at that time only meant the tribe of Judah the house of Judah and Benjamin is mentioned here later on Simeon and Levi will be mentioned as part of the house of Judah And in verse 24, thus says the Lord, You shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again, according to the word of the Lord see Rehoboam intended to subjugate the northern tribes but that subjugation would have also included control of the land in a way that Yahweh did not intend because that is what conquering via war means you get the land you conquer and today the house of Judah is trying to get that land via peace peaceful means This now brings me to Netanyahu's and Bolton's meeting last Sunday in the Jordan Valley. Allow me to submit a biblical perspective of the Jordan Valley meeting. To show the prophetic impact of what is being proposed for Israel's peace and security, I will also draw on historical facts that support the scriptural narrative and provide a view that most people in today's world don't yet see. The reason I continually look to the past to explain the present is because that is what Yahweh said to do. Isaiah 46, 8-11 Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose calling a bird of prey from the east the man of my counsel from a far country I have spoken and I will bring it to pass I have purposed and I will do it What we can know about the end of days literally stems from events in the distant past that most people in the end of days have no idea about. But just because most people have forgotten their past doesn't mean the past won't catch up with them. With that in mind, I will start with the meeting between Prime Minister Netanyahu and US National Security Advisor John Bolton this week Bolton was in Israel for the summit between Israel the US and the Russians but Netanyahu took advantage of Bolton's time in Israel to show him the Jordan Valley to reiterate the Valley's importance to Israel's security Russia's top national security adviser Nikolai Petrushov was not with Netanyahu and Bolton for this trip now some would say that is because the Russians are not involved in the Trump peace deal however the meeting was about Israel's security and they were meeting the three of them together for Israel's security Therefore, since the three men later met regarding Israel's security, all of them should have been together discussing the Jordan Valley issue. According to RT.com, Benjamin Netanyahu, who on Sunday toured the West Bank with John Bolton, said he will listen to USP's proposals, but added that any future agreement with Palestine must guarantee an Israeli presence in the Jordan Valley. Footage posted on Sunday showed at Israel's Prime Minister and the U.S. National Security Advisor overlooking the Israeli-occupied area from an aircraft and on the ground with Netanyahu seen giving Bolton an excursion. Speaking English on camera standing next to Bolton, the PM rammed the message home that Israel will not be leaving the area under any deal saying it ensures the minimal strategic depth and strategic height for the defense of our country. Netanyahu was also adamant that the Israeli presence in the Jordan Valley guarantees stability and security for the entire region and that the IDF leaving the occupied Palestinian lands would result in war and terror. First, If the Jews would just do what Yahweh says instead of what their rabbis say there would be no such thing as Jews or Palestinians there would simply be Israel reunited but since they won't cooperate with Yahweh's plan for a reunited and restored 12-tribed nation called Israel of course they only want their four tribes The prophets have declared they will suffer. The Jordan Valley is vitally important to Yahweh's land and not just for security purposes against military incursions. I'm going to reiterate. The Jordan Valley is vitally important to Yahweh's land, the restored land the Jordan Valley belonged to the northern tribes after the kingdom split the northern tribes became known as the house of Israel and today they are scattered all over the earth with the US as their current headquarters the Jordan Valley has rich soil that supplied produce for the Israelites 3000 years ago as it does today the loss of this area for food production would have been a major economic blow to the house of David whose grandson Rehoboam reigned over food and security are these not two vital components of Yahweh's blessings listed in Deuteronomy 28 and for our collective disobedience to the Torah is it not curses that our people will suffer? as Isaiah reminded both kingdoms the house of Judah and the house of Israel in chapter 46 all of Yahweh's people will suffer in the end for the conditions created by them in the beginning this is very important for our people to understand somehow we must learn to look to the past to understand instead of looking to the future with blindness there is a scriptural and historical reality about our Israelite people that almost no one understands it is this that I continually teach I've been trying to explain who the Jews and the Palestinians are for quite a while now And I am not one of those who wrongly say the Palestinians are the true Jews. The Jews are the house of Judah. And they are Yahweh's people. So who are they? Who are the Jews and the Palestinians? They are brethren. They are both from the house of Jacob. The house that was split into two kingdoms right now one side in this 2900 year old civil war has the upper hand the Jews, the house of Judah the Palestinians are fighting the Jews, the house of Judah the house of Israel is fighting the house of Judah just as they have done for 2900 years the reality is that neither side wants the other to inherit Yahweh's Israel scripture and history show that through the many invasions by Assyria Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome and Islam the northern territory became mixed with people from the northern tribes that's the house of Israel the Jews the house of Judah and Gentiles from other nations today these people are called Palestinians through DNA studies we now know that 70% of the area now inhabited by this mixed people are actual physical Hebrews related to Abraham they are his descendants Yahweh said he will always have his people in the land and he always has. The land has never been devoid of people who belong to Yahweh. Let me prove to you that not all of the house of Israel was taken away by the Assyrians. 2 Chronicles chapter 30 verse 6 so the posts went out with the letters from the king and his princes throughout all Israel and Judah and according to the commandment of the king saying you children of Israel turn again to the Lord God of Abraham Isaac and Israel and he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria That was King Hezekiah he wrote a letter to the remnant of the northern tribes the remaining house of Israel after the last Assyrian siege how do I know it was after the last Assyrian siege. Hezekiah's reign was between 715 B.C. and 686 B.C. His reign began six years after the last Assyrian incursion. Hezekiah witnessed the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel by Sargon's Assyrians in 722 B.C. But he was not yet king of the house of Judah. There was a remnant of people left in the northern territories that Hezekiah wrote to asking them to return to Jerusalem for Passover and promising them that if they would come to Jerusalem for the feast, Yahweh would soften the heart of the captors and let their families return. 2nd Chronicles chapter 30 verse 9 for if you return to the Lord Yahweh your brothers and your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him and returning to him means coming to Jerusalem This is a promise that still stands today Though most House of Israel people in the West Still reject Hezekiah's invitation That he spoke on behalf of Yahweh This is a major reason why Yahweh has not Softened the heart of the Jews Toward the House of Israel today To allow us to make Aliyah most of our people still reject Jerusalem for the feasts as Jeroboam did so Yahweh is still rejecting the Jeroboamized house of Israel and he will have to punish the house of Israel for its continued intransigence it's really a very simple conclusion and outcome anyone can get just from reading the scriptures to the right of the first five books of Moses and to the left of the New Testament which I suspect most of the house of Israel in the West does not do even though they call themselves Torah keepers and now you have a scriptural and historical overview of what happened in the distant past to our people so you should now be able to understand the influence of the past on this week's news the house of Judah the Jews want to control all the land that once and still remains part of the house of Israel's northern territory rather than trying to rule with justice over all the people as I have explained many times before the tribe of Judah continues to do land grabs from the northern physical and spiritual remnant as proven in scripture history and DNA about their true identity the Jews expect to engage the US president Who is also most likely a Hebrew descended from the ancient Israelites to assist their treachery against Yahweh by agreeing to the dividing of the land instead of restoring it as was required in their self-declared Jubilee last year. Do you see the irony? Do you see how he has them in derision? Do you see how he is laughing at them? And can you see why Yahweh will punish both houses during the Gog Magog war? They will have engaged in doing what Yahweh would not allow them to do for the last 2900 years. Divide his land. He gets to do that. They don't get to do that both the house of Judah and the house of Israel will be complicit in this and they will both end up fighting their own brethren as is described in Ezekiel 38:21. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains that's the West Bank folks declares the Lord God every man's sword will be against his brother during this fight listen to this during this fight between the brethren the sword will come for Gog it will come from Iran the king of the north he will be coming against Gog the US fighting to divide Yahweh's land on behalf of the house of Judah Israel and the US will divide the land regardless of how the arrangement is made they will do it by either creating a separate Palestinian state or by allowing the Jews to annex territory that has never belonged to the tribes of Judah Levi, Simeon, or Benjamin the irony is this if Israel would do what Yahweh says they would have the security they seek you see, but that would entail them adhering to Yahweh's Torah commandments instead of their own Talmudic traditions. Regarding property commandments, the Torah commands that all Israelites from all 12 tribes be treated the same with equal rights to property inside Israel's borders. The Jews won't admit that there are any other tribes or house of Israel remnant that is not already converted to Judaism this is how they justify what they're doing the land grabs this is because they believe that the way back into the Abrahamic covenant is through conversion to Judaism not through the Messiah who died for us One more item from the RT.com article says Netanyahu made his bewilderment at the Palestinian reaction to the proposal saying I can't understand how the Palestinians rejected the plan before hearing what is in it. Well it is because sir they are as intransigent and uncooperative with Yahweh's will as you are. And now what was the outcome of the security meetings between Israel, the U.S., and Russia? Well, Russia sided with Iran at the U.S.-Israel-Russia security meeting to talk about Israel's security against Iran in Syria. Russia's top national security advisor spoke out on behalf of Iran during the trilateral meetings with his Israeli and American counterparts in Jerusalem on Tuesday backing Tehran's claims against the United States and supporting its ongoing military presence in Syria which Israel sees as a threat to its security the trilateral conference of Israeli Russian and the US national security Advisors is the first event of its kind To be held in Jerusalem and according to Israel is aimed specifically at countering Iran including both its nuclear aspiration and its influence throughout the Middle East. At press conferences on Tuesday, Petrushev rejected the view held by the U.S. and Israel that Iran represents the main threat to regional security and said Israeli airstrikes in Syria against Iranian forces and its proxies were undesirable. Commenting on the downing of a U.S. drone by Iran last week, Petrushov said the Russian Defense Ministry had determined that the aircraft had entered Iranian airspace, as Tehran claims. The U.S. maintains that the drone was flying in international airspace when it was downed. We have not seen any proof otherwise, Petrushov said also lauded Iran's ongoing presence in Syria which Israel sees as an unacceptable threat the Russian official said Iran was contributing a lot to fighting terrorists on Syrian soil and stabilizing the situation there he said Moscow was aware of Israel's concerns regarding Iran's pres- military presence in Syria and was working to address the issue with Tehran We pay special attention to ensuring Israel's security, he said, calling it a special interest of ours because here in Israel live a little less than about 2 million of our countrymen. Israel supports us in several channels, including at the UN, The Prime Minister, Netanyahu, has already said that we share the same views on the issue of the struggle against falsifying the history of World War II. Bolton said that Trump, while imposing significant new sanctions on Iran's leaders on Monday, has held the door open to real negotiations to completely and verifiably eliminate Iran's nuclear weapons program, its pursuit of ballistic missile delivery systems, its support for international terrorism, and its other malign behavior worldwide. Well, as I said last week, when push comes to shove, Russia will side with Iran. And now, the Bahrain Prosperity to Peace Summit While Jared Kushner was putting forward heartfelt pleas for his peace plan Oman announced the opening of an embassy in the West Bank the city of Ramallah in Palestinian territory and of course hundreds of Palestinians in the West Bank protested against the US's Middle East peace plan Kushner said the economic pathway forward was a necessary precondition for Israeli-Palestinian peace. The Palestinians will need to accept the money package before the political package will be revealed. He said to be clear economic growth and prosperity for the Palestinian people are not possible without an enduring and fair political solution to the conflict one that guarantees Israel's security and respects the dignity of the Palestinian people he also called the Middle East peace plan the opportunity of the century rather than the deal of the century my direct message to Palestinian people despite what those who have failed you have told you is President Trump and this administration have not given up on you he said well This is typical of the rich, offering money is always their solution. The rich believe stability and security can be bought for the price of 50 billion dollars. Athletes believe these things can be settled by playing games. In the same article The head of the International Football Federation, FIFA, Gianni Infantino, and the lone Palestinian at the Bahrain conference, is a West Bank businessman who is viewed with deep suspicion now by fellow Palestinians after he participated in the event. Despite a last-minute direct appeal from the Palestinians to reconsider, he said he was hopeful that sports, particularly soccer, could have an important role in giving hope to Palestinian communities and improving relations with Israel. With football through football we can really build bridges he said in a discussion about using sport and entertainment as catalysts for development. Let's use football as a tool to show what is possible. We play football in Palestine we play football in Lebanon it is possible. Football can play a little role, but an important one. Analysts criticized the economic part of the U.S.'s peace plan for failing to address the main problem that has heavily curbed the Palestinian economy, the 52-year-old Israeli military occupation of the Palestinian territories. Critics slammed the proposal comparing it to a real estate brochure complete with glossy promotional photos from Palestinian aid programs that the Trump administration has cut. I said that Trump was doing the takeaway when he cut the PA aid programs. He took them away so that he could reintroduce them to entice the PA back into the U.S.'s fold again without having to increase what was being paid to them before. It has not worked. And now, here is my clarification when I say the Jews are now grabbing land that doesn't belong to them because this article talks about the occupation of the Palestinian territories let me be clear the reestablishment of biblical Israel needed to begin with secular Israel Judah needed to return first and to that end The Jews needed to temporarily occupy territory to hold it for the return of the house of Israel from the west. The Jews also needed to govern the Palestinians who wanted to stay in Israel fairly according to the Torah so when the leaders and politicians denounce Israel's occupation of the West Bank for 52 years they don't know what they're talking about the West Bank only became occupied territory beginning last year 2017 and 2018 at Yom Kippur the Feast of Atonement why It is because the great trump of freedom, liberty and restoration is blasted at Yom Kippur to declare the Jubilee when everything in Israel is to be restored to its former glory. 2017 and 2018 was the year that the house of Judah declared the Jubilee and they should have returned their tribes to their known southern territories and start using their names Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin instead of continuing to call them all Jews while inviting all who are from the northern territories people from all over the earth including those who are in the West Bank to make Aliyah and settle in the North but because the Jews have not done that now this year 2019 they are in violation of the commandments Kushner's peace plan push is not going well and it won't go well until someone comes along who understands and will implement what Yahweh said at the beginning that person will be Yeshua because it was he who made those commands and it is he who will have to enforce them because his own people reject what he said in favor of their own opinions and ideas and now what's happening with Iran. After last week's Iran drone attack and the subsequent retaliatory response by President Trump that was pulled back, the President said he was in no hurry to attack Iran the morning after he called off missile strikes against the country with 10 minutes to spare. In a series of tweets on Friday, the President said he called off the strike because he believed the attack would have been disproportionate to Iran's downing of an unmanned American surveillance drone. We were cocked and loaded to retaliate last night on three different sites when I asked, How many will die? Trump wrote. 150 people, sir, was the answer from a general. Ten minutes before the strike, I stopped it not proportionate to shooting down an unmanned drone I am in no hurry our military is rebuilt new and ready to go by far the best in the world okay let's just (laughs) let's just look at this for a minute the White House response and subsequent pullback was more than mere thoughtfulness for hundred fifty people's lives It was a clear message that the White House will respond to Iran Trump also said he preferred to move forward with economic pressure and move forward with more economic pressure on Iran he did Trump signed an order on Monday that targets Iran's supreme leader and associates with additional financial sanctions the targets of the new sanctions include senior military figures in Iran blocking their access to any financial assets under US jurisdiction. They also worked to deny Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei's and his close aides access to money and support. Trump said the Supreme Leader and his associates were ultimately responsible for what the US president called the hostile conduct of the regime sanctions imposed through the executive order will deny the Supreme Leader and the Supreme Leader's office and those closely affiliated with him and the office access to key financial resources and support Trump said and so he believes President Trump also began cyber attacks against Iran this week The cyber attack this week disabled Iranian computer systems that controlled its rocket and missile launchers. Officials who spoke about this cyber attack all spoke on condition of anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly about the operation. Fox News has learned Iran shut off some of its military radar sites around the time that the U.S. was poised to launch retaliatory strikes and they said it's not clear if those radar sites were turned off by the cyber attack or if Iran shut them off deliberately in anticipation of this. Reaction from U.S. Middle East allies toward Iran was very negative this week. Jordan's ambassador Sufyan al-Qudah condemned Iran's recent attack, stating that any targeting of the security of Saudi Arabia is aimed at the security of Jordan and the entire region making a thinly veiled threat. He also stated that Amman supports all measures taken by the kingdom to maintain its security and to counter terrorism in all its forms and manifestations. Kuwait too said that it stands by Saudi Arabia and fully supports all necessary measures taken to ensure security and stability of the kingdom. Afghanistan also condemned the attack but stopped short of supporting retaliation. Egypt condemned the attack as well. The country's foreign ministry released a statement also supporting retaliation saying Egypt affirmed its support for Saudi Arabia in taking necessary measures to safeguard the security and stability of the kingdom against such desperate attempts to undermine it ironically Yemen the country hosting these very rebels jumped on the bandwagon and condemned the deadly attack this could be because they are reading the writing on the wall and fear a massive Saudi rea- retaliation on their turf the Trump administration is not admitting to the cyber attacks Debkafile has this to say Just as in the absence of proof Tehran has never owned up to its recent sabotage provocations in the region, although its hand is self-evident Washington too intends to duck formal attribution for any cyber attacks against the Islamic Republic. President Trump has not said this out loud but his turn to clandestine cyber warfare in retaliation for Iranian attacks in place of direct military strikes takes the campaign against Tehran out of the hands of the US Central Command and over to the Cyber Command and the CIA in line with his resolve to avoid full-scale war. Well this is a sly move on his part in actuality he must live up to the persona presented to the American public that he wants to get America out of the Middle East wars most of the US public won't understand that he is now pulling the war strings Under consideration are operations not just to disable various missile bases and command centers, but also a range of Iranian vehicles of aggression. They include the Revolutionary Guard patrol boats used to damage Gulf oil tankers this month, as well as Iranian proxies across the region, such as Hezbollah and Iraqi Shiite militias. The CIA will deploy covert forces inside Iran for striking essential infrastructure and stirring up unrest. The first operation of the first cyber war in military history was in fact launched by Washington on Thursday, June 20th, just hours after an Iranian surface-to-air missile shot down a U.S. Navy drone over Gulf waters. It targeted the computers of the IRGC Missile Command Centers, as well as the computers and networks of an Iranian intelligence group, which U.S. spy agencies hold responsible for managing the strikes on the oil tankers. President Trump believes that his constantly toughened sanctions supported by this clandestined, unadmitted cyber campaign is the correct and fitting response for Iran's aggression and upholds his vow not to entangle America in another Middle East war. Iran is unlikely to stand alone. Russia and China may decide to come to Tehran's aid for seizing a unique opportunity for testing their own offensive cyber weapons in a real confrontation with America. The United States cyber warfare on Iran will push Iran and China closer together. And now will we have a Gog Magog war this year? A rabbi in Israel has now predicted the failure of Israel's September elections and says this will lead to the Gog Magog war by the end of this summer his predictions are based on Talmudic prophecies I cannot disagree with him I too see how the September elections could cause such internal strife that Gog may intervene Now let's look at the hate speech craze that's going Islamic. Pakistan asked the UN for help cracking down on what it considers Islamophobia and hate speech around the globe. The United States opposes any idea of the kind invoking the US Constitution and saying speech restrictions do not work. Instead they constrain democratic engagement, diminish respect for human dignity, and stifle change and social advancement. Well, let's talk about free speech restrictions in the US and how that ties in with Pakistan's request to the U.N. via mainly the big online corporations Google which controls YouTube and Facebook. The U.S. government has found a way to censor negative but true speech by using their corporate shills Google, YouTube and Facebook if they, the corporate, doesn't like what you say online on YouTube or on Facebook they just silence you without a shot fired from the end of a pistol no fuss and more importantly no muss. The idea of hate speech was first brought forward in political circles in 1949 it is defined as abusive or threatening speech or writing that expresses prejudice against a particular group especially on the basis of race religion or sexual orientation therein lies the difficulty and the opportunity It is a difficulty for someone like me who wants to draw attention to unrighteousness and it is an opportunity for those seeking to advance an agenda such as the Islamic one. Google, YouTube, Facebook, and even covertly, the United States government have begun the practice of stopping negative but true speech under the guise of hate speech. Isaiah 520 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This week, the hate speech issue was dropped into the lap of the UN do you see the problem Islam is using America's new hate speech movement to bring its agenda to fruition globally Islam plans to use the same strategy that the US government is using to shut down free speech using the private sector actors including social media companies on steps they can take to support UN principles and action to address and counter hate speech, encouraging partnerships between government, industry and civil society. You know, just one big giant corporation that runs the world and tells you what you will do and how you will do it, what you can and cannot say. One social media company, Twitter, has shown a willingness to voluntarily enforce Pakistan's Islamic blasphemy rules, even if the US government doesn't abide by any potential hate speech treaty that could stem from the planned conference. This raises the possibility that it and other social media companies might voluntarily follow suggestions from UN bureaucrats to the detriment of free speech the US government New World Order folks will never admit that they want to remove free speech in America so they will comply at some time in the future with the UN just as they have done with agenda 21 Pakistan has tried to compel social media platforms to impose its blasphemy laws internationally Twitter's legal department sent American writers Michelle Malkin and front page Mag.com's Jamie Glassoff notices that their posts violated Pakistani laws. These are American citizens, folks. And now, one last thought from Debka censoring free thought and expression is a problem when countries like Pakistan Iran and Saudi Arabia do it to their own people but it is even worse to allow them to impose their will beyond their borders yielding to Islamist censorship is disappointing and dangerous well so is the collusion between the U.S. House of Israel and the Israeli House of Judah. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to beastwatchnews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.